This episode is brought to you by the Dermavigils Cleansing Range. Looking for a cleanser targeted for your skin's needs? The Dermavigils Cleansing Range is customizable for all skin types and conditions. Scientifically formulated, all of our cleansers are powered with pure active ingredients that gently nourish, soften and smooth your skin. For the month of August only, you can purchase any 150ml Dermavigils cleanser to receive a free cleansing cloth. To find out more, visit your closest Dermavigils skin clinic. You can find the link in our clinic finder in the episode show notes. Welcome to another episode of our Dermavigils podcast series, The Business of Skin, with your co-hosts Simone Vecchio and Reka Roberts. Every month, we sit down with our special guests to chat about their inspiring stories, how their skin plays a part in their lives, and share their practical, tried and tested tips for natural, healthy skin. Today, I'm talking with none other than DJ Tiger Lily, also known as Dara Lawson, who is a well-known DJ, producer and wellness enthusiast from Sydney, Australia. Her music career has gone from strength to strength, where she now plays to tens of thousands of people around the world, including Australia, the US, Asia and Europe. Constantly working to develop her music, Dara delivers memorable performances that are absolutely electrifying. Also a talented businesswoman, nonetheless, Dara has gone on to grow her business and now works with brands such as JBL and Hardviz to name just a few. Alongside her creative work, Dara is paving the way for change working as an animal and environmental advocate, which you may have seen on her Instagram account, Our Soul Purpose. Rather than give everything away right now, we're going to jump straight into our chat with Dara, which you do not want to miss as we discuss everything from her music career, building a brand, advocacy work, and then we get into all things skin. From long haul flights, the demands of stage work, the wedding, and daily life, we get down low on how Dara's skin looks so incredible all the time. So let's get this interview started. Welcome, Dara. We're really excited to have you on the show today. You've been a long-term user of Dermavigils, and we have been a huge fan of yours. I've been lucky enough to have been in a few of your audiences, and I would love to get started by getting to know a little bit about you, your music career, and where it all started, so our listeners can get an insight into your incredibly successful career. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today, and what a great introduction. So I was, yeah, born in Sydney, Australia. I'm 30 years old. And growing up, I always loved music. I always, you know, thought I would love to end up with a career in music, but going to a selective high school in Sydney, music was definitely not an option for a career path. I actually went to university to study dentistry because I thought that that would be a great job and it was seen as a successful job by my peers and by my school. But 12 months after doing science, I decided that it really wasn't for me and that my happiness was more important than that. So at that mark, I um, changed my university degree to media and communications at Sydney University with a double major in marketing and sociology. And it was at that time that I started DJing as well. I started DJing DJing just to sort of kick things off and just earn a bit of pocket money, so to speak, or did you sort of, you know, were you already at that stage thinking, hmm, there's something here to to make a bit of a career out of? Oh, it wasn't even for money at that point. I was doing it for free drinks in the nightclub. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was doing it literally just for fun. I had been practicing in my bedroom for maybe two or three months. And I decided that I was just going to jump into the deep end and get myself a gig, which is looking back brave of me to have such little experience and just to throw myself in the deep end. But that's definitely something I've always been good at is just giving things a go and not really worrying about whether I you know, I'm successful at it or not, just kind of throwing myself in the deep end. So I did that and I did a competition called Your Shot, which is still running actually at the moment in Australia, in a lot of the capital cities. And what this competition is about is it's an opportunity for people to learn how to DJ and perform and gives you, I suppose, a foot in the door of the music industry. So I was versing, if you will, a hundred other young people for this kind of your shot crown. And I ended up coming second in the your shot competition. Now that was back in 2011. And my prize for winning your shot was a residency at a nightclub in Sydney called Soho, which back then was like one of the really cool nightclubs in King's Cross, one that I definitely frequented a lot as a patron. And so, yeah, it was really exciting. I have this, you know, really vivid memory of, you know, maybe six months beforehand being on the dance floor in Soho, this nightclub, and thinking, gosh, I would love to be up there doing what that guy is doing. Like, I wonder if I could do that. I'm going to try and make it happen. And then fast forward to six months, I was playing the closing set, which was very late, by the way, like maybe 3 to 5 (laughs) a.m. And thinking, oh, my goodness, I've made it. I'm done. My life is fantastic. And I was, yeah, it was a a pretty big wow moment for me and something I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, wow. And it must have been that realisation from, so, you know, leaving school, going to university to study dentistry just because you felt that that was the profession that you, so, you know, you you should be in through to changing that into communications and then pursuing your dream through there. I mean, were you producing music at all or did you just get straight into DJing? I wasn't producing music at that point. I'd come from a really musical background. So I did three units of music for my HSC. So there was a lot of um, composition and writing within that. But I was writing classical music for, you know, jazz bands and orchestras and things like that. So it was really different to dance music. It was only until, I suppose, maybe three years into my DJ career that I realized that I would have to start writing music as well because, DJ and producer kind of come hand in hand now. It's really rare to find just a producer or just a DJ. They kind of come together. So that was a real adventure, I suppose, going down the production route because I came from a classical background. I had a lot of experience writing music, but it was very different to writing dance music. And I work with some amazing engineers now that continue to help bring my ideas to life because I feel like I've got a lot of ideas in my head and then bringing them to life using the programs is a whole nother kettle of fish and something that I'm still I'm okay at, but not the best of the best. So yeah, I work with some incredible guys here in Sydney that, you know, help me bring my ideas to life and they've just got, you know, they've got what it takes on the computer. They're incredible. They're amazing. Wow. I didn't know that that all went on behind the scenes. So that's amazing. Do you prefer Mm. to be in the studio producing Dara or out on the road DJing? I think for me, what I'm most passionate about is performing for people. 
It's really incredibly fun. It allows you to, you know, create an energy within a room and to have these beautiful interactions with people where you're sharing energy and you're, you know, making someone's night or making someone's weekend by having such a great time with them. I really don't enjoy the travel. The travel is really quite difficult and quite draining. And I was speaking at a conference the other day talking about mental health and was saying, you know, it's really interesting. We were talking about our own experiences with mental health. And I was saying the thing that I love most about my career can also be the thing that I dislike most about my career. And that is I love the performance so much and connecting with people and being up on stage and, you know, creating an energy in a room. But the thing I dislike the most is the travel, but you have to travel to be able to perform. And so it's funny, it's this real yin and yang kind of experience. And I've reached a really nice understanding now of what I can do in regards to my schedule and how best I can maintain my health and my mental health while also performing and traveling a bit, but nowhere near what I used to do. About five years ago, I definitely made a big call to like cut out a lot of the travel that I was doing just because you wouldn't have recognized me. I was a different person. I was unhappy mentally, physically and just, you know, was really letting the work and the travel take priority and yeah, wasn't looking after myself. So I've been very grateful to be able to find a really lovely balance over the past five or six years. That's really working for me, which allows me to perform and do the thing I love the most while kind of mitigating the travel. Well, kudos to you because it's really hard to find that balance. I know so many of us struggle with it. And you found that before COVID, a lot of people have used the last couple of years to to really work that out, their own mental health and well-being and and what's right and wrong. And uh, the other thing is sort of, you know, being a female DJ is, is one thing, you know, did you find it challenging to get gigs when you're first starting? And I know you said you sort of, you know, you landed second prize and you went straight to Soho, but was there ever a realisation there? Was it sort of a little difficult being a female DJ in that environment? Yeah, definitely. There were, look, there still is a lot of times where people will judge you or comment on things because they're probably intimidated, I'm assuming. (laughs) That's what I like to think. (laughs) I definitely had a lot of trouble, not necessarily getting booked because I was a good DJ and I'm a good performer and, you know, I could pull a crowd. So a lot of the club owners would book me. It was more than what was happening behind the scenes in the industry. People were being pretty rude, pretty cruel, pretty mean, making things up. You know, the typical things, you only get booked because you're a girl. You only get booked because you're pretty. You can't DJ. You're playing a pre-recorded recorded set, all these kind of things. And so there was a lot of time in the industry where people were being really, really cruel and it was pretty awful. And I think it's kind of to this day still, I have, you know, lots of lovely friends in the industry, but my best friends are my friends from high school and, you know, from my early childhood. And they're the people that know me for me because the music industry is definitely very fickle. And I think people are very intimidated, especially in Australia. We have a habit for having tall poppy syndrome. And so when someone's doing well, they just kind of like to cut you down. It's funny. I remember having this experience from a New Year's Eve gig and I was playing with another DJ duo at this really great club in Brisbane and their manager wouldn't let my name be bigger than theirs on the poster. And there was this huge argument that went on for days and days and days about who was going to be first and who was going to be bigger on the poster. The club just wanted us to put us next to each other with the same size and the manager would not have that. This manager's an asshole. (laughs) 
anyway, I am conceding and saying, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I took my ego out of it and said, doesn't matter. Put me wherever you want to put me. So they put them up the top and then me kind of a bit smaller underneath them. In the scheme of things, it doesn't matter, but it was definitely a really true reflection of, you know, this manager's personality and him bringing his ego into it, thinking that, you know, his act couldn't be next to my name kind of thing. And it's just lots of little things like that that still do really happen to this day, which is unfortunate, but water off a duck's back. Yeah, and that's the attitude, isn't it? You've said, you know, you over and above it all. But hopefully, you know, there is some change ahead and afford to not have to deal so much with those scenarios, but um, certainly still an issue. But let's talk about a, a favourite collaboration. What's, what's been one of your favourite collabs? I wrote a song quite a few years ago now, maybe five years ago, called Invisible Children with a DJ called Kashmir. And I wrote this like I wrote the basic song probably six months ago uh, or six months, sorry, before we released it. And I was just playing it out in the clubs and a big DJ came up to me and said, this is pretty good. What is this? And I was like, oh, it's just something I've been working on. It's not finished yet, but I'm really excited. And he said, oh, I know who you need to send this to. And he um, introduced me via email to Kashmir. And yeah, it's definitely been the best performing record I've released. It has had like almost 20 million streams on Spotify and was sitting at Beatport number one for weeks, which was really, really exciting. And it was great to be able to have a song released that was really collaborative and felt quite even in our contributions as well. A lot of the time collabs aren't necessarily even. You'll start something and someone will put a few little touches on or they'll start something and you'll do some finishing touches because, you know, we all live all over the world and we're not in the studio together 99% of the time. So it felt really rewarding to write a song that felt really um, even collaboratively and also performed really well, which was fantastic. And what did you say it's called again? I'm going to look up after this. <laughs> it's called Invisible Children. Okay, great. Awesome. I look forward to listening to it. One more download. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've also created Team Tiger Radio, which features some really great tracks and collaborations. And you can find those on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud, other for those of us who may not know. Um, how did that project come about? So it initially came about by me realizing that I was in a pretty lucky position and wanting to, I suppose, assist young artists and DJs to get their name out there. I'd been lucky enough to have been given support by some big artists at the start of my career, which definitely helped my confidence and to get my name out there. And I thought now that I, that I had a platform, I wanted to do the same. So Team Tiger Radio was born out of that idea and I've had hundreds of guests on the show. It's a great opportunity for not just young budding DJs and producers, but also for big names to come on and play music that they love, showcase some new records and yeah, I suppose give their flair to Team Tiger Radio. So yeah, it's on all the podcast apps and things like that. And yeah, it's been a really fun project to work on. We've actually just changed up the, I suppose, structure of it now. And I was releasing it weekly and we changed to fortnightly, went back to weekly, back to fortnightly. We've always kind of mixed around mm -hmm. with the with the format and now we're kind of releasing monthly and focusing on more live type of music which is interesting but fun so it's exciting to be able to change the format up but still provide people with a really great product. 
Yeah, and I really love the payback. It really does give you a sense of purpose and gratitude is so important in in everything that we do. It really helps our our mental health. It helps us to support our industry. You know, just in general, the confidence that you can give to people through Team Tiger Radio is amazing. So well done. Thank you. Job satisfaction is very important and doing things where you're giving your platform or your time to other people is awesome. So do you use your podcast as a sounding board for your new music with fans to share or is it a bit of a mix and how does it fold into your creative work? Unfortunately, not in regards to using it as a sounding board. I'm signed to Universal and it wouldn't sit well if I was to be like pre-releasing mm-hmm. or pre-testing music and letting it out onto the internet. Definitely gigs yeah. is more the place for the sounding board and the test. So playing music at gigs, playing different drops, playing little edits to see how they work and see how the crowd reacts. And it's often a really good indication to see how a track's going to go. Well, you can do a demo visuals gig at any time and test it out on us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. How have you grown your audience and, and fans of your music? Because you know you've got some fabulous numbers there. And have you found social media has helped there, or was it something that organically grew as your career took off? Yeah, it was very organic, definitely, but social media was a really integral part of that. Ever since I was DJing. In the beginning, I always would, (laughs) funnily enough, like book a photographer or videographer to come along with me. And people used to look at me like I had three heads, like, who is this girl and why is she bringing a videographer? The clubs would be thinking, this is a waste. Why? But I always have just posted on Facebook, on Instagram, and now on TikTok as well about what I'm doing and where I'm performing, little videos and photos from the gigs, just because, you know, there's only X amount of people that can come to a show. So being able to reach more people with what you're doing was always something that I knew would be very important. Yeah. So social media has been fantastic in regards to growing an audience and a fan base, but then also being able to continually connect with them. And my social media now, as you know, is not just about music and it's not just about DJing. I talk about life, health, wellness, family, periods, skin, everything, lots of different things. And so it's now more a personal platform that has a base and a foundation in me being a DJ. And you know what? I used to, I suppose, not cop hate, but people would definitely think that being online and let's just use the word influencer. I don't love it, but let's just use the word for the sake of this conversation. They thought that being an influencer really took away from my DJing and producing and traveling and things like that. But it was funny in COVID when no one was working. I had so much work as a result of my social media accounts, both on DJ Tiger Lily being paid and then on Our Soul Purpose doing paid work and then donating the funds to different charities who really needed it during COVID. So it was a fantastic opportunity that really displayed to me that diversifying your business and using social media to strengthen your business is just such a great opportunity and a lot of fun as well. Being able to communicate with lots of people and talk about things that you're passionate about is, you know, just fantastic. Well, Dara, absolutely. You are not just a pretty face. You've got such incredible business acumen. You know, everything that you do has purpose. So, You also mentioned before that, you know, traveling really affected you and you've cut out a lot of travel, but it's also enabled you to see a lot of the world and get to some of these incredible venues and destinations to to DJ at. What was your favorite show that you've DJed at overseas and 
has it differed from others in Australia or is it, you know, did you get that real, my gosh, I'm here moment? Definitely. There's always my gosh, I'm here moments when you're in a different country and you don't speak the language and you're able to connect with people who you might not be able to have a conversation with through music. I think that that is really special. And it still to this day amazes me how music transcends language and culture and all those different elements. My favorite show is always, this is so easy to answer. There's a epic Mm. club in Greece on a little island called Eos, which is known as a party island. And usually on my DJ sets, I play one to two hours. But this club, I always play over my set time, sometimes three, three and a half hours, really until I run out of music or I'm busting to go and do a wee so badly that I can't play any longer Um, because it's just amazing. It is on the beach. I play as the sun sets. There are lots of Aussies, lots of Italians, lots of Greek people, people from the UK, loads of Swedes, all the countries that really know how to party, which is just so much fun. And so for me, that is always a real standout gig and yeah it's a great time and the the people that run the club are really amazing as well oh that gives me a little bit of faith because I'll tell you all that my two boys are 20 years of age and they have just headed off with I think half of Australia to uh, they're actually in Ibiza at the moment but they're going to EOS you have to tell them to go to this club called Far Out. Okay. All right. Well, there's the clue, everyone. <laughs> go to Far Out in EOS. <laughs> but ideally when you're playing there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was actually um, meant to play there last weekend, so only a few days ago. But we've had some things with family come up this year and a couple of weddings change around because of some family things. So I made the call and stayed home, which I was really happy about at the end of the day. It was the right thing to do, but we'll be back there next year for sure. Good. So what are your plans for the future as you continue to develop and grow your music? It's pretty exciting actually being able to come out of COVID and to have, you know, had my business up here doing so much and then COVID everything and everyone in the music industry stopped and dropped and screamed and was terrified as to what was going to happen. And right now we're back to pre-COVID levels of busyness and things like that, which is fantastic. My social media is popping, which is great. I've got a whole heap of new music in the works, which is really fantastic. So I feel very lucky in that everything has gone back to normal because I know it isn't the case for so many people. So I feel very blessed Mm -hmm. to be able to be, you know, 12 years on still having a really successful career. My goal is to continue to play majoritively in Australia because for me, going back to the travel and mental health thing, that is what works mostly for me, doing a few little trips overseas here and there throughout the year. Keep releasing music, keep growing on social media and hoping that, you know, people still like to connect with my content. I have a few little business ideas that I've been working on in the background, which I will really hope I can bring to fruition in the next few years. Scott and I just got married, so we really want to have kids as well. Congratulations. Thank you. So hopefully, you know, adding some kids into the mix at some point. I don't know how that's going to work with DJing, but I'm confident that I'll be able to make it work. So yeah, those are, those are my goals, being able to I suppose, be a wife and be a mom and still continue to be a DJ and connect with people on social media. And I think that is the beauty of work these days and being present on social media is that as your life changes and evolves and as your goals change and evolve, your followers are changing and evolving with you. So I'm really excited where that goes. 
Absolutely. And that leads us to talk about your brand because you're much more than a DJ and a producer, as we've touched on. You've created a phenomenal business with several brand partnerships and ongoing paid work and other ventures. So let's just backpedal a little. What we didn't ask earlier was how did you fund your career when you were starting out in the music scene? I mean, was it uh, free free drinks only last for so long, right? (laughs) Yeah, free drinks definitely only last for so long. I um I did actually start getting paid not too long after I started, which was great. I suppose at the beginning when you're just trying to get your foot in the door, you'll do some free gigs, just, you know, show the promoter that you want to be there. I suppose realistically at the start, you don't need that much money to become a DJ or a muso or a producer. It's not like starting up a business like Domovigils where you would need a lot of capital to get the production and do all the testing and develop the products and do the packaging. And there's a lot less cost-wise involved in it, which is good because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. I've always been um, a really good saver though. So I have been able to, you know, save a lot over the last few years. I'm not necessarily a bougie person and buying designer or things like that. I've never been interested in that. I'm definitely way more interested in buying skincare and going out to lovely restaurants <laughs> or going on a holiday. So yeah, interestingly enough, it, it isn't an expensive career to get into because it really is just you. And I managed to borrow some decks off someone so I could practice without spending, you know, 10 grand, which is kind of an average for the setup, I suppose, DJs use. Uh, so yeah, that was it. That was it. There wasn't much to it, to be honest. And did you really have to hustle to get work with sort of those paid brand partnerships to fund your music career, or did you find that they came about a bit more organically? Definitely a combination. I was really against doing any kind of partnerships for a really long time. I probably only started doing partnerships about five years ago. I was scared to do it. People were saying, don't do it. Um, just, just be a DJ, just be a producer. Don't look at anything else. And I remember there was this really cool opportunity with a brand that seemed really organic and natural. They wanted to talk about my music and DJing and it was too good to be true. And I was just like, this is perfect. It's not, you know, just spruiking a brand that I don't use. It's a brand that I know and love and they want to talk about music. Great. Awesome. (laughs) And so I did that and it was funny when I showcase that on my profile that I was obviously open to working with brands. It kind of opened the floodgates because people could see she's open to doing stuff on social media and interested to work with us. So it definitely has become a cumulative effect from then. And I suppose it's not necessarily about hustling because I think that the best partnerships are the most organic. And it's the partnerships where myself and my team can talk directly with the brand and directly with the people. It's face-to-face, so it's not, you know, behind computer screens and emails and it's not necessarily about just crunching numbers and things like that. It's about creating Mm -hmm. a relationship between us and then the product and then helping my followers understand how I fit into that story. So definitely the longest um, partnerships for me have been the ones that are the most organic where I love the product, I use the product, might just tag them on social media, give them some love, they reach out, we have a chat, see, you know, if our goals are in line and kind of see and figure out how we can work together in the future, which is exciting, I think, 
the audiences are very smart these days. They're very intelligent and they can smell a really off brand partnership a mile away. I get hit up by massive companies all the time that are really not in alignment with my beliefs or my brand. And they have a lot of money to throw at you. And I have to say no, because it just does not make sense for my brand to be, you know, spruiking you know, massive products that I would not use and my followers would not use. <laughs> well, it's great to see that sense of alignment for purpose coming through and you staying true to to what uh, what you have built up over this past 10 years. Any deal breakers for you in, in that? What What is it that makes it intrinsic and, and makes that alignment for you? Mm, there are lots of deal breakers when it comes to who I will and won't work with, for sure. And I suppose it goes back to me seeing people on social media potentially having one certain viewpoint or, you know, perspective. And then I hate the word selling out because, you know, it's quite nasty, but, you know, selling out if you will, and then doing something that they have spoken out against, I suppose. And it just seems very hypocritical and it doesn't seem authentic and true. And it then makes you question lots of different values as to what what they may have spoken about before. So I do really want people to be able to trust me and think that I'm not going to just sell them products just to make money. It's the same for DJing. I get hit up a lot to do, you know, lots of the big horse racing events, a lot of big Australia Day parties. And I say no to doing them because, you know, it's devastating because they have so much money to throw at you for doing something that I love, mm. but I can't bring myself to do it. It is not who I am and it's not who my brand is. And yeah, I, I have to say strong. It does definitely annoy my agents, I'm sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. It's, it's great that you have that moral compass. Um, you mentioned before, you know, some of the team that work with you being incredibly talented. How did you build your team? Was it, again, an organic progression? You just sort of found people as you were going along or over period, you know, was there certain contacts that you were introduced to? Definitely organic. Once again, everything I think needs to be organic for it to work. And there's yeah. been like a lot of trial and error. Definitely. I have definitely had some staff members in the past who have been incredibly difficult to work with and <laughs> disappointing. But I think working in the music industry, it's really fun. We're not saving lives. We're not surgeons or doctors. So we get to be creative and enjoy our work because it really isn't stressful or it shouldn't be stressful. So finding staff that are good and finding agencies and things like that that are, are really great to work with is very important. And then when you find them, you stick with them. So say, for example, my agency team, I've been with them for, gosh, eight years now, maybe even longer, actually. And they are just fantastic to work with. They're incredible. I really trust them and they really have my best interests at heart and they are happy for me to take the lead with, you know, knowing that I need time off, knowing I need to rest, happy for me to say no to the horse racing parties and things like that. And it's great. We have a really trusting, respectful relationship and that did come about really organically. So, yeah, I think finding people to work with, it is important if it comes across organically and you develop personal relationships with them and then see where it takes you. Yeah, absolutely. So we know a bit about what you want to work on. Can you tell us a campaign that you've absolutely loved to work on? Was it sort of a the product or did you have complete creative freedom that you've learned a lot from it? So every year we do like a brand new campaign with JBL. I've worked with them as an ambassador now for, I'm going to say four years, maybe five years. 
And fantastic working with them because every campaign that we do and release, it's a really collaborative, creative thing, which is fantastic. So we collaborate on what studio we're going to shoot at, what photographer is going to shoot the campaign, who's going to do the video. In regards to styling and makeup, I choose stylists and makeup artists who I absolutely love. And the team at JBL trusts that I know that they're going to bring the vision to life. And then it kind of works in a way that we see all the new product and align the product with kind of what concepts we want to use and how we want to shoot it and how we want to bring it to life. And everyone's involved from the team at JBL to me and my branding and social media manager, to the stylist, to the photographer, the hair and makeup artist. Everyone has a say and everyone's involved and it's a real collaborative approach. And I think that you can really tell when you look at the images and the videos from the JBL photo shoots that we all are having so much fun together. And it comes across in the content because it's just fantastic. It's fun, it's high energy, and it's really authentic, which is very important to the JBL brand. Yeah, wow. And it really shows through when you have fun and enjoy what you do and, you know, that that all marries up. If you could tell your 20-year-old self, I think we all want to tell our 20-year-old self a thing or two, but if you could tell your uh, 20-year-old self two things to be ready for you when you're running your business in the future, what would they be? The first thing would be to look after your health. I definitely was partying way too much when I was 20, was, you know, eating crappy food, traveling way too much. Gosh, I can't even tell you what my skin routine was. Probably nothing, to be honest. (laughs) And it really took a toll on me physically, mentally, and then definitely it really affected my business. I actually like made a really conscious effort in my early 20s to look after myself and stop partying and see it as a business exclusively. And really, I saw a correlation within a month in regards to the trajectory of my business and how the success of my business was changing when I was taking my health really seriously. So that would definitely be the first one. The second one, I think, would be to just kind of spend a little bit more time making ideas happen. I definitely have a lot of ideas and I I have thousands of ideas that always come being creative. I just think of different projects and things I want to start, but I find the execution for me is quite difficult managing my schedule. So it would be, I suppose, to, you know, spend time finding people who can help you bring those ideas to life because I would love to see what I could have done, you know, at 20, spending half an hour a day on specific projects that I'm, you know, only kind of getting off the ground now. Yeah. At Dermavigils, we encourage all of our people here because we've got a lot of creative people as well who, so, you know, boom, 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 lots of great ideas. And we encourage people to take clarity breaks and just get away from your desk or away from your usual workspace for an hour a week and really, you know, consolidate your ideas and, you know, talk to others and collaborate and see what's going to work and what will stick and what what are silly ideas. And, you know, there's no such thing as a silly idea, but, you know, what's what's really going to stick. And that seems to work really well as well. I've been working with a life coach the last 12 months and we just have an hour together a month and it is the most productive hour of my whole month. It is insane. We just sit on Zoom, we just chit chat, but from that hour becomes clarity, focus, motivation, and it definitely has really changed the way I work and, you know, see things. So big yes to clarity breaks. 
Now, let's talk about some of your environmental work that you do and things like that, because you're you're not only a brand's ambassador that we've spent so much time talking about today, but you also work with several animal and environmental charities and organisations. You've been extremely active in the philanthropic community, fundraising, speaking and being part of campaigns. So can you tell us about the charities you currently support? You mentioned in COVID you donated some money to charities that really need it, but what led you to become active in this space? I don't know. <laughs> I um, I think I've always just kind of wanted to be able to give back if I can. And I've always been very lucky over the last, you know, few years to be able to have time and money to do that because it's definitely a privilege. It's not something that everyone has the ability to do. So I have a, a second Instagram account called Our Soul Purpose. And I started that with the intention of sharing things about health and wellness, in particular, veganism and taking animal product out of your diet, environmentalism, sustainability, things like that, because I found that sharing it on my tiger lily was probably the wrong thing for my tiger lily audience. They came to follow me for music and fun and partying and cool fashion and me, but they didn't necessarily want to learn about veganism or what was happening in the environment. So I thought I would start off a new page. And I'm really glad that I did that because now what I do on that page, we do collaborations with different vegan, sustainable, cruelty-free brands and donate all of the profits to loads of different companies, non-for-profits, sanctuaries, and organizations. So Oh my gosh, this, we've done like hundreds different farm animal sanctuaries, lots of wildlife kind of rehabilitation centers, different groups that help clean and save the ocean, groups that help reuse and recycle materials. There's so much that we do on there, which is really exciting. And the brands that we work with on there are definitely brands that are different to the ones that I would work with on Tiger Lily. They're often small Aussie brands that are wanting to get their name out there. And it's a great way for them to do that to an audience that's really targeted for them. But then they know that the funds are getting sent to people that need it most, which is really feel good. And it's really fun to do. It's incredible what you can, what you pick up from clean up the ocean days. Well, we'll have to get you out and do one together. It's just, you know, the beach looks clean, but when you really go in behind, it's it's amazing what you pull out, all the plastics and and foam, it it does blow your mind. So well done on all of that. I guess, uh, you know, the bushfires of recent times as well with the koalas is something that we supported here at Dermavigils as well to sort of help grow their habitats and and get them back and, and healed into the wild. It was quite sad wasn't it? Yeah, it was very devastating. I definitely was, I wouldn't wouldn't say depressed, but really upset about all of that at that time because you felt so powerless, you know, all we could kind of do was donate and which, you know, we all did lots of, but it was so tricky watching, you know, your country burn and not feeling like you could do anything. But now it's kind of, I feel just as bad with all these people, you know, having their homes flooded and ruined. You know, I'm having a whinge that my Wi-Fi isn't working, but realistically (laughs) we're very lucky. We're living in like, you know, safe homes that are, you know, not being destroyed by so much water. Yeah, it is time to sort of, you know, to really think about uh, other people and be grateful for for what we do have. But um, you've done a lot of work with animal liberation campaigns in 2018. You're featured in Cosmopolitan with your plant-based lifestyle and you've mentioned veganism a little bit. So I'd love to know your reasons for going vegan and how that's impacted your lifestyle. 
Mm, so I initially went vegan probably six years ago now, and I went vegan just for health reasons because I was suffering with lots of gut problems and, you know, your gut affects your brain and your skin and your energy and everything. And I was, I was not a very healthy human at that point in time. And I was struggling to find answers. I ended up being diagnosed with I'll describe it as like the little sister of Crohn's disease, so an inflammatory bowel disease, and they wanted to put me on medication for the rest of my life. And to me, I just thought, that's ridiculous. Like I shouldn't need to be on medication for the rest of my life, and I just didn't take that as an answer. I did take the medication for about 12 months and then slowly weaned myself off it, much to my gastroenterologist's disappointment and shock and horror. But at that point as well, I thought, well, I'm going to throw everything I can at this. And I decided to do some research, podcasts, Googling, looking at friends' experiences about what my healthiest best friends looked like. And the people that seemed to be the healthiest were those that were vegan or plant-based. And the more I read and the more I listened and the more I looked into it, it kind of seemed like the most obvious thing to me. And it was the best thing that I have ever done hands down without a doubt. And I will absolutely never look back because I cured my gut problems, which is incredible. Gut's been amazing for the last five years. I cured, yeah, brain fog. My skin is fantastic. I lost quite a bit of weight and, you know, felt really strong and fit and healthy. It literally improved my life in every single way. And when I saw all these changes happen, I thought, there must be more to this. Like, what is this? This is crazy. And so the more I read and listened about veganism and living a plant-based lifestyle, it allowed me to connect more with the other reasons as to why people go vegan or the other reasons or the other, you know, things that veganism had to offer. And it was at that point that I really connected with the animal rights issues that I suppose vegans speak out about and believe in. And then also, of course, the environmental issues as well. And I think being vegan can be difficult sometimes. It's socially a lot more accepted than it used to be, but you know, I still don't have options a lot of the time. You'll often find me eating a salad and chips at a pub because there isn't that many options that I can have. So that is really when having the passion for the animal rights and, you know, the, I suppose, dedication to trying to decrease your environmental impact comes in. So it's been a really fantastic journey. And with each year that comes out, it's really incredible because people are doing these really fantastic balanced studies that are showing that a plant-based diet or predominantly plant-based diet are, you know, the best for 99% of people, obviously everyone is different and it's definitely a privilege to be able to be plant-based and vegan. I'm very aware of that. But if you can do it, it definitely is from what all the stats say now, the most healthy diet that one can have. Thanks for your shares there. And again, uh, true to your purpose and aligning in what you believe in, you're headlining in September the Plant Vibes Music Festival. So that's exciting. For those of us who've not heard about it yet, can you tell us a little bit about the festival and what you've planned for your set there? I haven't actually planned my set yet because it's in a while and I don't plan my sets until, you know, a little bit closer to the date, but I would like to do something really special for this. I actually haven't played like a vegan music festival before and they're really starting to become a thing. They've been massive over in the UK and in Europe. And so I'm very excited to be part of one of Australia's first festivals. So I'm actually not quite sure what to expect, but I know it's going to be really fun and I'm very excited. 
Sounds exciting. And hopefully you'll be able to eat more than salad and chips there. <laughs> oh, definitely will be. <laughs> now um, let's get down to the business of skin because it's a great seg for us to, to chat about skin. You've obviously spoken about how you've changed your health and how that changed your life and, and your skin. What differences have you found in your skin from when you did make these changes? Look, I'm 30 and I feel like my skin looks really good. I've got a lot of freckles and pigmentation from potentially when I was younger and also the fact that I've got very, very pale skin. I'm prone to things like that. But considering that I'm 30 and I've you know done a lot of partying and a lot of travel, I'm really proud of how my skin looks. And I really think that that is thanks to my lifestyle. So obviously drinking lots of water, sleeping well, having a clean plant-based diet, and of course what I use on my skin as well. I feel like I look younger now than what I did six years ago. And I do really think that it goes to show like, you know, the glow and the plumpness of your skin is everything when we're talking about how someone looks. So it's pretty amazing that, you know, six years on, I feel like my skin looks more youthful and better than it ever has. That's an incredible testament. And of course, you're by very nature of what you do, the late nights and the travel, your skin can can get quite hollow and dark circles and things like that. So kudos to you for focusing on your well-being and uh, and managing that because diet and lifestyle and all the factors do play a role in our skin's appearance, but a, a big one, certainly your skincare products. So can you take us through your product journey over the last several years and what led you to start using Dermavigils? So I was using, before using Dermavigils, I was just using kind of any Instagram brand that got sent to me, which, you know, being online, you get some lots of skincare and it was probably a recipe for disaster because I was using all these different things with no consistency. So not giving my skin time to settle into a routine. And, you know, I, I do have quite robust skin in that it's not acne prone or it's not really dry. I don't have psoriasis or anything like that. But it wasn't thriving. It definitely wasn't thriving. I got messaged by you guys, actually, I think it was years and years ago to have a facial Mm. with Robin. And I thought, oh, this looks great. I'm going to go and do this. And I went into the city and had a facial and it was game changing. And I remember thinking, whatever this brand is, I need to use this. So I reached out to Robin afterward and I said, can you please tell me what you used on my skin? It's been just so incredible ever since I've seen you. I would love to come and see you again. And she lived in Newcastle and I was devastated. I was thinking, I'm not going to travel to Newcastle for a facial. That's a little bit excessive. But she said, look, you know, go onto the website and you'll be able to find somewhere that stocks the Dermavigils products and uses them in a facial similarly to what I did for you. And I thought, okay, fantastic. I went on and there was a a beauty salon that used them actually in my suburb. It's the facialist in Roselle. And so ever since that point in time, I have been a client of Corin's at the facialist and bought and used Dermavigils products. Obviously what I use has changed over the years, depending on the seasons, because my skin does definitely get quite dry in wintertime. Of course, leading up to the wedding, we kind of changed what I was doing as well, but it's been the most wonderful relationship to be able to connect with a brand that isn't necessarily about getting on Instagram and selling bog product to every single person that wants it. Dermavigils, I feel like, is a brand that's about creating bespoke 
you know, results-driven products for people. And, you know, it can be a little bit more difficult to access in that you do need to go to a beauty therapist and get a prescription because the products are so bespoke. But in my mind, what makes it a thousand times better than any other brand because you're getting products that are literally created for what your skin needs. So I just... Similarly to, you know, transitioning to a plant-based vegan lifestyle, moving to Dermavigil's products is something that I can never see myself moving away from because I really have had such success with the products. And one last thing that I'm quite passionate about is that you only need the smallest amount of the product and you see such great results. You don't have to lather your skin like you see these girls doing on TikTok with squirt after squirt after Mm. squirt of serum. You just use, you know, a little pea drop and it spreads beautifully over your face. So I feel like it's really, oh, it's just so effective. I'm a fan. <laughs> and look, you, you, um, thank you for your, uh, your descriptions there. You absolutely nailed it. And I think as well, you only need such a small amount because it's skin identical and your skin knows what to do with it. So it's not trying to suck in and just take on excess amounts. So um, it's, it's good value for money as well. Do you do any other treatments apart from your prescribed skincare? Have you ever done laser or peels or injectables or LED, any of these things, or just more, are you more a, a facial girl? LED, yes. I often get LED like the red and blue ones at the end of a facial. I like love them so much. I've never done like the needling and things like that. I've never really been suggested or no one's ever really suggested to do them for me. I know um, you can do it for pigmentation and things like that. And I do have a lot of freckles and moles, but I really like them on my face. And so I don't want to get rid of them. I think they're part of me. So, so you know, needling might be something that you look at in 10 years time or something like that as you start to address some other other factors in your skin. You've got an amazing, amazing skin. And I love the the look as well of a, of a few sort of, you know, smile lines and freckles and your, your face recognizing your character as well. But you can certainly yeah. work on the texture and, and the hydration and the general skin health is what we're all about. Mm. And then I have got Botox in the past and I still get it every now and then, probably once a year. I just get it in my frown line and my crow's feet. But I actually don't need it that often because I don't want my face to be frozen. I still have lots of movement in my forehead and my eyebrows and my smile lines and things like that because I do want expression. So I suppose for me I'm seeing that as long-term prevention of really deep wrinkles and I really still want my face to be able to move and be different and be recognisable and I don't like that look where it's all full and still. So I really, you know, work very closely with Jessica who looks after my face to just be really very very minimal and natural on that on that approach and I actually find that looking after my skin with diet sleep water and products actually negates the need for things like Botox because your skin's naturally more hydrated and plump so it doesn't actually have as many wrinkles which is pretty amazing I feel like I have less wrinkles now than I did five years ago your skin's actually functioning and healthy, so it knows what to do. What are your favorite Dermavigil's products and why? Oh, okay. So I think <laughs> my favorite, favorite one is the Lotion N, Sus Moon Lotion N. This product, I've been using this product since day one, and it is probably the product that my skin reacts best to. It just drinks it up and provides it with an incredible amount of hydration. It plumps it. 
It makes it feel glowy and dewy without being too sticky. So I use this twice a day, every single day. And I actually just ran out last week and I've got a facial booked tomorrow to go and pick up some new product (laughs) because I can't live without it. It really is. It's a phenomenal product and my skin reacts so well to it. And yeah, as I said, I've been using it since I first met you and I can't see myself taking it out of my skincare routine anytime soon. And then the second thing that I'm loving at the moment is actually the opposite, a product I've only just started using. I had a skin consultation with Kai from Dermavigils and he recommended that Mm -hmm. I start using an eye cream because gosh, shock horror, I wasn't using an eye cream and I really should be. And the Dermavigils eye cream is absolutely divine. I have really noticed a visible difference. I've only been using it for maybe six weeks and I definitely did have some fine lines kind of developing under my eyes. And I really have noticed that it's become a lot more, I suppose, just firm and tight under my eyes since I've started using it. And I'm excited to see, you know, where my relationship with that product goes, because I can already see some really nice results from using it from a short period of time. Very inspirational. I must admit, my favourite is Lotion N as well. It's that essential fatty acid spritz for the face that my skin just drinks up. But I must admit, I've been a bit lazy with my eye cream and I haven't used it for a while. Sometimes I look at it at night as I'm doing my Lotion N and my moisturiser and I've used it for a while. So tonight is the night. (laughs) As we mentioned before, you know, part of the Dermavigils process is going into a, a skincare salon for a skincare prescription because it is bespoke and it is tailored and customised to your very own needs. Does your esthetician change your skincare prescription much? And if you're travelling or, you know, in between the seasons, do you find you, so you have different products from time to time? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my products probably change slightly every time I go in actually depending on how my skin looks and you know what's going on with it how much I'm traveling she'll load me up with the Epi Nouvelle masks she's recently changed me from using the vitamin cream mask at night to the vitamin oh sounds very similar but it's not the vitamin cream yeah, mask it's a mask with vitamins it's just a little bit thinner in consistencies which has been really really nice so yeah she does change things up depending on where my skin's at how much traveling I'm doing even what my hormones are doing because you know our hormones do change quite a bit she always is making me up a kind of different combination in my bespoke serum and kind of always explains to me what she's putting in there and why which is really nice because I'm invested in my skin and I do want to know what's going into my products and why. I must admit with this hit of cold weather, I've really had to change up my serums that I use in particular. And it's just so nice to be able to get the right products for your skin at the right time. Because as well, you're under a lot of light, right? When you're DJing, lots of light means lots of heat. Do you do any special skincare prep beforehand? And are you careful about the makeup you use when you're up there as well? In regards to prep beforehand, nothing in particular. I use the lotion in like as a base under as a primer, yeah. I suppose, under my makeup. And then afterward, mm-hmm. I think is more important. I do a double cleanse with the Dermavigils cleanser because you need to get that makeup off. And I do use things like setting sprays and powder because I am under bright lights and there is flash photography going on. So I do wear relatively heavy makeup when I'm DJing. I wouldn't say it's super heavy, but it's more heavy than what I would normally wear on a day-to-day basis, say if I'm going out for lunch just with family or friends. So I am really conscious of really getting that 
all off. In regards to makeup, I use products that are all, you know, vegan and cruelty free. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're clean. They're products that I've found that kind of work for me over time and I suppose stay on my skin and stay on my face. Um, something that I also do, which actually really helps is I get eyelash extensions and it helps in that I don't have to wear mascara or eyeliner or fake lashes, which I find are really irritating for my eyes and the skin around my eyes. So by having the extensions, I really actually wear a lot less makeup around my eyes than I would if I didn't have them. And so not only am I saving time, but I'm also saving so much crap from going on my skin and around my eyes, which is really helpful. Absolutely. And now tell me, do you take your makeup off at night before you go to bed though? When you're sleeping at 5am, does the makeup come off? Even if I've had a thousand champagnes, the makeup is coming off. Absolutely. Never, ever, ever, ever sleep in my makeup. And don't even slightly understand people who don't take their makeup off. It takes two minutes. It takes two minutes. Just get it off. It doesn't even take that long. Even if you don't do a double cleanse, just do a single cleanse and get it off. There's no better feeling than waking up. And you know what? I do actually make a conscious effort after my gigs to properly take my makeup off, to double cleanse, and then to do my skincare because... When I wake up in the morning, I'm often in a hotel, so I've been exposed to air conditioning. I might be a little bit dehydrated and I probably haven't got enough sleep, probably got five to six hours as opposed to eight or nine hours. And your skin really suffers in these situations. So I've really noticed that doing my skincare properly before I get into bed does really mitigate my skin looking terrible the next morning. And uh, that's great. Yeah, we've got a special for the month as well. As I mentioned earlier on, we have our essential cleansing cloth free for this month only when you purchase a cleanser. So they uh, make it super easy and they're very effective and feel beautiful. Yeah, and just taking all the stuff off your skin quickly, which is great. Yes, it's just what you need. So recently you had your wedding, which looked completely amazing. Congratulations. We definitely noticed that you went for a beautiful classic natural look and your skin absolutely shined in the photos. Did you prepare your skin any differently in the lead up to the wedding? Did you do any extra treatments like facials or LED to get ready? Yes, I did so much. I was having a (laughs) facial every fortnight for, I want to say, three months leading up to the wedding. I was really invested (laughs) with my skin. So I did a combination. I did mostly treatments um, at the facialist using the Dermavigils products, all about hydration, masks, LEDs, things like that. And then I did a few treatments as well at a different salon in Sydney, which was more about relaxation of the whole body, including the skin. So it was a lot about facial massage and gua sha and things like that, which I kind of hadn't done before, but it was a really nice compliment to my more scientific results-driven facials. The combination was incredible. And then right two days was it two days before the wedding? It must have been a day or two actually before the wedding. I got like the bride facial, which is just all about hydration, 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 hydration. And yeah, Mm. I really wanted a natural look for the wedding. I wanted my skin to glow. I wanted to feel like myself and I didn't want to look like I had a face full of makeup on. And trust me, I did have a face full of makeup on. But yeah, looking back at the photos, I couldn't be happier. I just felt so beautiful and so me, which was really important. Uh, absolutely. And did you, you mentioned before that you prep your skin with the lotion and before you go on stage, but what about on your wedding day prior to your skin makeup? Did you do anything different or special or was it your normal routine? I did my whole skincare routine when I woke up in the morning and like 
I woke up really early, like at five, just to like let as much hydration as I could get in. And then I had the under eye masks and had them on for an hour, I suppose, right before I got my makeup done, which was fantastic. So I suppose I wanted, even though I knew I was kind of not going to be getting as much sleep, I wanted to wake up and make sure that I had that opportunity to do another round of skincare and to pop my eye masks on just so it could sink in because I knew I'd be drinking. I probably wouldn't be drinking enough water drink during the day. I'd be out in the sun or the rain, but it was sunny. <laughs> thank goodness. Mm-hmm. So I did know that my skin would really cop it that day. And I really wanted it to be as you know glowy as possible. And yeah, it paid off. I think my skin looked fantastic. Mm. Yeah, those uh, Epi Nouvelle under eye patches are just a little touch that makes such a big difference. My husband woke up and I was doing my skincare and I popped them on and he said, can I have some? And I said, of course. So I gave him some and sent him off to his house to to our place to go get ready while I was getting ready here. (laughs) Oh, great. That's one thing you can share. (laughs) Absolutely. So before we leave, every month we have some fun at the end of our podcast interviews so that we get to know our guests a little more and share things that other people might not know about you. So we've got five quite random questions here that I'd love to ask you before we finish up today. Sure, let's do it. Cool. So what's your favourite vegan recipe to make at home and when you're not on the road? Mm, I'm an absolute sucker for Mexican. So like cauliflower tacos with a heap of guacamole and loads of different veggies is a weekly at our house. Absolutely love it. Yum. What's one thing that you'd love to change in the DJ industry? I would continue to love to see more women step up and give it a go. We are really seeing more women come up and, you know, have the confidence to get out there and do their thing. Unfortunately, COVID really did hit the industry so hard. So it's definitely taken like a big step back and there's less opportunity for young people and up and comers to have a go, unfortunately, at the moment. So I would love to continue to see, yeah, more women get out there, put themselves in the ring. Well, I'm sure you've got some budding, inspiring DJs listening right now thinking, yes, they're going to do it. (laughs) What's the weirdest (laughs) thing, though, to happen to you backstage that others might not know about? I have a really funny, rude story that I have to tell because it's just hilarious. I was playing a festival a really long time ago and... This is the most hilarious, crazy thing. I was DJing, 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 and then someone behind me pointed out a couple in the crowd were very obviously infatuated with one another and were maybe doing a little bit more than kissing while I was DJing. And I was absolutely horrified but just had to laugh because... I don't know, they really had a lack of inhibition and they were just going at it and you just, you know, I just had to... DJ and pretend that nothing was happening and just be professional and keep doing what I was doing. (laughs) It was very embarrassing and hilarious at the same time. (laughs) Hard to top that for one of the weirdest things, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you ever create your own product lines? And if yes, what would they be? I would absolutely love to. I've definitely thought about this a lot before. I'm really passionate about skin, but in particular about fake tanning. I am very pale 
Um, naturally, I come from an English and Scottish background, and I would love to create a really, really, really natural but effective tanning range. Being really pale, but then also being or wanting to be really quite tanned, it's quite difficult to find products that tick all the boxes for me. And so, yeah, I would be really keen to develop a fake tan product and also change the name fake tan. It makes it sound so yucky and fake, but I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be natural and to also be great for your skin as well. So that's something that, you know, I might do in the future and I would love to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And what's your perfect day when you're off tour? My perfect day is a sleep in. Love that. Going for a run or a walk with my dog, a coffee and breakfast with friends. I'm actually like a bit of a sucker for just organization and house cleaning. So I love getting in and, you know, doing a clean and getting the washing done and getting everything really organized. I'm a real big believer in, you know, having your space feeling and looking really good is important for your mental health. I'd love to do a Pilates class in the afternoon and then to see my family for dinner, which would be really nice. That's kind of my perfect day. It's pretty simple, but, you know, wholesome and relaxed and good for me inside out. Yeah, your perfect day sounds very akin to mine. So, um, Dara, Mm. thank you for spending time with us today and sharing your story. I've really enjoyed it. It's been wonderful to have you as a guest here on The Business of Skin. For those of you that would like to check out Dara's website and socials that we've spoken about today, we've placed links in the episode description for you to access. So you can also find links to our socials and lots more. So thanks for tuning in to Dermavigil's The Business of Skin. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button to stay in the loop for future episodes.